you are listening to the next best picture podcast and this is our review of those who wish me dead why'd they put you in a fire tower well i'm just lucky i guess i read the wind wrong i should have gone to them then you've been dead too That's our job. Hey, stop! I'm not gonna hurt you. I wanna see where the blood's coming from. It's not my blood. You in trouble? Anyone else in trouble? My dad said, if anything happened, I should find someone I can trust. You're someone I can trust. We promise absolutes. Act accordingly. Run on. Run on. Those men, they came for your father. Did you see their faces? That's them. Tell them that God is going to cut you down. Run! Give me something else to worry about. You're gonna run. Run on for a long time. And you're gonna keep running. That eats everything in its path. You really wanna die for this kid? Take a deep breath. Hold it. And lay back. What happens next? You're looking right in the eye. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Those Who Wish Me Dead, and the story is as follows. Still reeling from the loss of three lives, Hannah is a smoke jumper who's perched in a watchtower high above the Montana wilderness. She soon encounters Connor, a skittish boy who's bloody, traumatized, and on the run in the remote forest. As Hannah tries to bring him to safety, she's unaware of the real dangers to follow. Two relentless killers hunting Connor, and a fiery blaze consuming everything in its path. The film is starring Angelina Jolie, Finn Little, Nicholas Holt, Aidan Gillen, Jake Weber, Medina Senghor, and John Bernthal. It is written and directed by Taylor Sheridan, co-written by Michael Cortia, and Charles Leavitt. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Sarah Clements. Hello. And Zach Gilbert. Hello, hello. And Josh Parham. Hello, hello. all right everyone so we are here right now to talk about those who wish me dead the latest effort from taylor sheridan who has given us a few good screenplays one great screenplay some middling screenplays and then you know depending on who you ask poor screenplays as well maybe they're all poor i don't know he seems to have a very divided reaction from people And now with his latest film, Those Who Wish Me Dead, the film is currently streaming on HBO Max. It also marks the return of Angelina Jolie to the action genre, a genre that she definitely made her mainstream success in early on in her career. 
So kicking it off first with Sarah Clements. Sarah, what did you think of Those Who Wish Me Dead? I loved it. I really like that it explodes right out of the gate and it just keeps that energy throughout the entire film. Um, and it's just so great to see Angelina again, especially in this one scene where she's fighting with a, a pickaxe like Tomb Raider does. So it kind of made me think of her old action films as well. Um, and it really, it there's a lot of things that happen in the film that I did not expect. I kind of went into it pretty blind. And so um, there's a lot of mystery and it keeps you intrigued. And while I thought it was a really, really solid survival film and Finn, who plays um, the little boy in the film and Angelina work so well together, there's some issues with it. Like there's a lot of questions that I wish had been answered. But apart from that, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Okay. All right. Here next up from Zach Gilbert. Yeah, I totally agree with everything Sarah said. Um, I'm a big fan of Taylor Sheridan and his neo-westerns over the years. I adore Hell or High Water. That's definitely my favorite from him. And while this doesn't really get to kind of the thematics like you were saying earlier, uh, the other day that um, that film reached and really like the deep storytelling, I think it's still as appropriately intense as I expected. And the acting across the board is really great. Um, like Sarah was saying, Angie and the kid, phenomenal. I think the kid really reminded me a lot of Jacob Tremblay and Noah Jupe and a young actor who really just pops onto the screen and really surprises you. And I was also really taken uh, with Medina Senghor as John Bernthal's wife. I thought she had she stole every scene she was in. I was like watching a star being born. Um, and it was just really a nice old-fashioned action thriller. I could see at the theater, and it just took me back. Yeah, yeah, I uh, echo a lot of those same sentiments as well. Uh, Josh, what about you? I- I'm not that big of a fan, to be honest. Um, mm. Hello, High Water, I think, is a really good screenplay, but the rest I've been very much more mixed on, to be honest. Um, but when it comes to this one, I actually think that overall it's a pretty entertaining movie. I think it has some issues with being kind of thematically shallow, has, um, as has already been said, I think the villains are just downright terrible. I think they're so bad. <laughs> they're the worst hitmen I've ever seen in a movie. Um, that was a little disappointing. But Angela Jolie, I have to agree, is so good in this film. It's just great to see her give like a classic movie star performance again. And she's got such charisma that you just can't take your eyes off of her. I think she has great chemistry with Finn Little, too. Both of them work really well. And... Like overall, it's it's solid. I would never argue it's a great movie, but I think for what it is trying to accomplish, it just being a really solidly entertaining film, I think it pulls it off pretty well. I think that's where I land mostly is that it's just solidly entertaining. It's not striving to be um, something as thematically important as uh, some of his other screenplays have been in the past. This is an adaptation uh, from a novel, and the uh, novelist himself also co-wrote the uh, screenplay here. And I, I got to admit, while I was a little disappointed that the movie did lack a, a little bit more emotional heft and some more moral complexity that some more of his uh, hard-hitting noir uh, westerns, what neo-noir westerns have done before in the past, as uh, Zach said earlier. Just in terms of just sheer adult entertainment, yeah, to quote Gladiator, I was entertained. I mean, how often do we get mid-budget films like this 
made for an adult mainstream audience, not often. So for people that feel like they can only get thrills out of the major, you know, Hollywood blockbusters, I would point them towards this as something that they can watch that is as thrilling as, as many people have said, something that just used to come straight out of like the 90s. Movies like, you know, The Fugitive, for example, where wasn't trying to tell a grander story with some deep thematic content. It was just trying to tell some solid piece of adult entertainment. Yeah, or like Cliffhanger. I've seen a lot of comparisons to that movie with this one. Sure, sure. I get that. Totally. Yeah. And that's okay that it doesn't like, you know, strive to get there. I think in some ways, what I find kind of confusing is that you would think that because it's not striving to be a self-important film, that that would make this screenplay tighter and much more better because it's so focused on what it needs to focus on. But as Sarah mentioned before, there are some serious plot holes and unanswered questions in this that I was kind of left wondering, wow, with this brisk of a runtime and the fact that the movie does not go like very deep in terms of characterization or any of its, uh, you know, plays on morality as uh, his other films have done before like why couldn't we get some basic questions answered in this like for example like what was tyler perry's contribution to the movie (laughs) that was so random i did not know he was even in this and my brain took at least five minutes to be like wait that's really tyler perry (laughs) but that's one of my main issues is you don't really learn who the bad guys are are like who are they working for like that's well they're working for tyler perry but we don't understand like what his stake in all this is because we never understand or learn what the Mm -hmm. secret is that the boy is carrying that was another big issue i had as well yeah so like if we never understand what's driving the plot forward and it's a, a a MacGuffin, you know if you will then what is the actual point of the story? And there is no other secondary point because the film's not really about anything. It's just trying to tell a thrilling action movie, which I guess if you go in with like the lowest of expectations, that's enough. Yeah, I was going to say I was so entertained the entire like 90, 100 minutes or however long it was that I didn't even think about these things until later. Like I was driving home with my mom and I was like, so why did they kill the dad in the first place? I was like, what? Like he briefly kind of says he discovered some like fudgy numbers or something, but like they never really describe like the real cause of why he's being hunted down and the guy he was working for. And it kind of then falls apart, I guess, the logic of the whole mission to begin with. But I, it's there's part of me that's like, you know what? I was still so wrapped up in it in the time, like. It succeeds on that front, at least, even if after the fact it's not as sturdy. Yeah, I agree. Now, let me ask you this question, because uh, I'm going to try and <laughs> I might I, I might directly contradict one of Josh's points by asking this question. But Zach, Sarah, what was it that kept you invested for the most part throughout this movie, would you say? When I think about it, I think it's mostly Angelina's star power, mm-hmm. but also especially when she um, meets the boy, you get really wrapped up in their relationship and you just really want to see where it's going. And then when the fire starts, you're like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Um, But I also learned that what also made it really captivating and thrilling for me was learning that they did a lot of their own stunts. Like I watched an interview where Angelina and Finn were talking about how that scene where they come down together 
off the um, fire tower down that rope. They did that themselves. Oh, nice. So oh, wow. when you see that stuff, you're like, damn, you know what I mean? So it really, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was just really solid um, action-wise as well for me. And it kept me interested in, you know, what was happening. Despite, like, I was like Zach, where like, I, I totally, you just totally forget about the dad and like what he could have done and stuff that I didn't really think about it until the end. And I was like, Oh wait, that was a thing. But like, you don't think about it cause there's just so much going on. Right. Yeah. And it just moves so fast too. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give this movie some credit here. There's no extra fluff no. at all in this runtime. Yeah. <laughs> it just moves from the very beginning all the way through to the, to the end. Yeah. What about you, Zach? What was the thing that was keeping you invested mostly? Um, I echo, again, a lot of what Sarah said. It was that central relationship for me, especially I'm a huge Angelina Jolie fan, like ever since I was a kid. And so I really bought into her character and especially the trauma she was overcoming. Like I was not expecting to tear up, but I did multiple Mm -hmm. times in the movie with her backstory. And then especially with Finn Little, like when he's describing things to her, talking about how his dad used to call him buddy, or he's just, and he watched his mom die of cancer and stuff. Like there's kind of that dark humor later where Angelina's like, God, I can't even feel bad for myself around you. But initially when he's telling the story, it's very heartfelt and it's very, it's really tugs on your heartstrings. And so I was really caught up in that. And I wanted her to protect him. I wanted them both to be safe the entire time. I just, I really rooted for both of them. So I think that's what kept me from paying too much attention to any of the other plot holes. So nobody said what I was going to say, which I think will be very interesting now because Josh brought it up in his opening comments. I actually found the characters of Patrick and Jack played by Nicholas Holt and Aidan Gillen to be so ruthless in how they were going about executing their mission, a.k.a. by executing anybody in their path, that that constant dread and sense of high stakes kept me invested mostly because there was this ever uh, like incoming threat, if you will, coming from them. So I'm curious because I do feel like they are set up to be extremely uh, dangerous and very, you know, menacing. Like, Josh, what was it about them that didn't work for you? Because I'm now I'm, like, really curious. Well, I think in the beginning they are shown to be very meticulous and, and ruthless of what they're doing. I will agree with you with that. I think as it starts to get into the main plot, though, I found their competency to really just decline at a certain point. And I just never really found them, first of all, I don't think that they have much chemistry with each other. It feels like the casting department just picked two names out of a hat and said, these are going to be our villains. I, I don't know what they like, have no camaraderie with each other. So I didn't really ever feel that compelled to watch them just on a performance level. And as it went on, like the amount of times they got bested by Medina Sanghorn in this movie, too, it just felt like at a certain point, it's like you are getting dunked on constantly by this woman who is six months pregnant and she is constantly (laughs) escaping these two guys. They're supposed to be the professionals. And it just got to a point that where I just really couldn't buy their menace anymore. And it almost felt comical at a certain point. And even though I like those actors very much, particularly Nicholas Nicholas Holt, you know, Matt, I absolutely love Nicholas Holt. Oh, I know. I I just never (laughs) found them in this movie to be the most 
captivating elements of it for me. I was much more invested in what Angelina Jolie was doing with her performance in this film than I was with anything that the villains did. See, they're like showering people with bullets in this. They're doing some headshots on people. They are shooting and asking questions after the fact most of the time. And the fact that they are like are displaying that they will go to any length. I, I, I do agree with you, Josh, that I do feel like that one scene in particular with um, Medina Senghor, it was kind of, let's put it this way. I was assuming the worst when we like headed into that scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was assuming the worst the entire time for all of the characters, yeah. because quite frankly, the movie had done such a good job up to that point of establishing that Holt and Gillen were so proficient at what they were doing that I pretty much feared for every single character in this movie. And instead, they went the let's get a crowd pleasing rah rah cheer moment out of this. And God damn it, it worked on me because mm-hmm. it surprised me <laughs> and I freaking loved it. But at the same time, I I do have to agree with you. There is a decline once that does happen. And that's when I also kind of realized, oh, everyone's going to make it out of this, aren't they? Yeah, it was a great moment for her as a character. I really actually think it's a very entertaining scene in the film. But the trade-off, I feel like, is it really undermined the menace of those two guys. And from that point on, especially, it just felt like, okay, now we're basically in the realm where they're not really that competent anymore. Now we're in the realm of villains who have heavy artillery, but can shoot off hundreds of rounds and not hit anybody in terms of our main heroes, or they just give them like minor wounds. And at that point, even though I liked those actors and I kind of like the idea of those characters, I just felt like their immediate menace completely dissipated from that moment. And I just never really recaptured the intensity that I really wanted from them. Yeah, I don't disagree. I guess I, 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 I feel like now that you've brought it up and I think about it and I realize that, yeah, I didn't really like the second half in the movie maybe as much as – well, maybe like the last third, I'll just say. Like I didn't like the last third as much as everything else that came before it. It probably is because of that and I didn't even realize it until now, which is a shame really because in the beginning, I was really all for this movie. As I mentioned before, it was like – Okay, we're not doing like heavy layers of characterization. We're not really going deep into a central plot. Angelina Jolie's dealing with some PTSD from a previous rescue that went wrong. And it's like they do kind of a surface bare bones job with that where it never goes any deeper into it as much as I was hoping for either to the point where her performance I'm, I'm, I agree with everyone here. Like, it's good to see her again. And she definitely has that star power still where she really does command the screen. But would I rank this as one of her best performances? Hell no. Mm-hmm. She definitely does the heavy lifting in terms of that subplot. Like, I I think that's where I and again, I do like Taylor Sheridan, but I don't think he really delves into it kind of as much as you were saying. And it's really on her. Like when she's sitting on that cliff and she's teary eyed, I'm just like blown i'm just like enraptured with angelina jolie that i buy it so much it's less so that this story is really convincing me that it's hurt her character as much as we're being told now i'll agree with another thing that was said before though too finn little i thought did a really phenomenal job here i was really surprised at how nuanced and not overplayed that performance was 
because he could have just been like a whiny kid that we, you know, don't really ever care about and is not really worth saving. But I really thought that Finn Little did a great job of capturing uh, confusion, pain, determination. Uh, there was a lot going on with that character. And, you know, like I said, even though the writing doesn't go terribly deep with it, I was very surprised at, you know, what he brought to the role. Yeah. And he's he's Australian as well. And I you wouldn't know it from watching this because his accent no. is so good. Wow, I did mm-hmm. not know that. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> How is it that every foreigner can pull off an American accent, but Americans can't pull off any accent? How is that? <laughs> this is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, We've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. The other thing, too, I want to mention is John Bernthal in this because uh, his character in the novel is actually the main character from what I understand. I could be wrong about that. I haven't read it, but I did read a plot synopsis that kind of laid that out a bit. And um, if it was, you know, their decision, um, the filmmakers, to kind of shift perspective, if you will, and make him more of a secondary character, um, I think that that was a really smart decision while also keeping him, you know, integral to the story because he is the, you know, sheriff and he is an officer of the law. So there are some ties with the community that the uh, assassins are able to use to their advantage when they, you know, come across him and stuff. So in terms of like how he was used in the plot and, you know, John Bernthal's another one, like Angelina Jolie, great screen presence. You know, you hire, you hire them for a job and they show up and they do their job and, you know, they're not going to get any awards attention for it or anything like that, but they do the job. I think they did a really good job tying, like, all the characters together when you had, and like, the way Bernthal was the kid's uh, uncle, and then he was also Angie's ex-boyfriend, and so they're all kind of connected. It wasn't anything complex, but I thought it was really interesting how Sheridan kind of connected them all, and everyone really fit their role really well, too. I like stories where everybody in the town knows everybody. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's like that uh, quality of like uh, everybody's known each other for like decades pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, you can introduce like any side character into the story and they will already have some sort of deep rooted history with our main characters, you know? Yeah. yeah, I really liked that this was sort of set in like a small town because it also led to a lot of the violence, I guess, because you're more trusting. So like, for example, when that woman stops on the side of the road, like I would never do that. <laughs> I saw some dudes on the <laughs> But she was like, let me help. And then, you know, so I really liked um, the small town vibe of the film. To quote another Taylor Sheridan film, Sarah is pretty much like, this is the land of you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, the other thing, too, I also wanted to talk a little bit about, because I do feel like this is a Taylor Sheridan uh, trademark at this point, is his films can be brutally violent. And I don't mean like in a gory sense. I mean, like in a as matter of fact, uh, as matter of fact, cold, ruthless way where the violence for this movie in particular I actually didn't know heading into this that this was rated R. I actually thought it was PG-13. I don't know why I thought that. So when the violence like kind of, you know, started happening in this movie, it was very cold. And like I mentioned, as matter of fact, and just hit me really, really hard. And that's something that I feel like has happened in movies that even he hasn't directed, where he writes scenes where violence kind of happens very unexpectedly. True, but I also feel like the tone of this one feels kind of oddly like a little bit lighter than what he usually does. And I think it has more to do with this movie kind of really embracing just full out like disposable entertainment as a way. So like I would agree with you that, yes, when the violence does happen, it is very like harsh and brutal. But I also feel like it's executed in a way that is more of a kind of glossy entertainment level that we would normally expect from, you know, as we have been kind of saying, like these mid-budget adult action movies from the 90s, which would be more violent, but I don't think ever really presented their violence in a, like, realistic manner. Mm. Yeah, I agree with Josh. I would say I definitely see what you're saying, Matt, and Steph, with how, like, for instance, when Medina Singhor lights his face on fire, I was not expecting that in this movie. But I think <laughs> there's a bit more, I wouldn't say levity, but definitely just some more lighthearted moments, especially with Angie and the kid, or kind of like the playfulness between uh, Medina Singhor and John Bernthal. I think, and even kind of some of the jokes between the assassins at certain points, whereas in Hell or High Water and, like, Sicario, it is, like, deathly dark like almost the entire time like maybe there's a few moments of dark humor but like i think those were a lot grittier which isn't a knock on this movie in my opinion i think it did what it needed to do kind of like what we've been describing of these other adult actioners but i think this is definitely his lightest of like those three some of it is me wondering how much of that is because he's making this for warner brothers Mm -hmm. versus a smaller independent studio that's true i mean like it this movie has lines in it like I hate this fucking place. It hates you back. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like this movie had more mainstream appeal, you know, compared to something like Wind River, let's say. Yeah. I don't think that's an accident, though. I mean, the movie stars Angelina Jolie. Like, it is going for more of a broader audience, and it does maybe lose some kind of pointed edge in terms of of the storytelling, but I think that it still manages to to deliver on that broad entertainment level that is mostly effective. 
At least when it's about Angelina Jolie's character. And, you know, considering that it is such a straightforward story, it's kind of surprising that this is also, like, his most ambitious directorial effort yet because of the fact that, you know, you got this raging forest fire as well. There's clearly a budget leap from Wind River to this. And I got to just say this because it's really been bugging me in so many movies lately. I'm really, really tired of CGI fire. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that real fire is unpredictable and there's a lot of safety protocols, but man, oh, man, there's something about CGI fire. It just doesn't do it for me. I will say I think it looked better towards the end of the movie than I thought it would, because normally I'm with you, Matt. CGI fire almost immediately takes me out. And I would even say there's a building explosion at the very beginning of the movie that looked so fake that it was yeah. really it really was terrible and it took me out the movie. I think the ending when they're just completely engulfed in the forest fire, it doesn't look real, but it looks better than I would have expected to given the track record I've normally seen in movies that rely on CGI fire. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the sky shots definitely. I was like, okay, that's CGI. But actually like like Josh was saying in the end when they are kind of in that quote-unquote like ring of fire in the forest i would say like the fire scared me more like than the assassins at that point like i was more worried that like angie's gonna get caught up in the smoke and die and whereas the kid runs off that so like i actually did believe it then but definitely early on i was like okay i can see your budget <laughs> a bit strange here all right so in terms of final thoughts on the movie stuff that we did not bring up or if something you want to reiterate sarah passing it over to you first i have no thoughts to add, I don't think. I think we all touched on everything, really. Okay. Zach? Um, yeah, I think we summed up most everything I wanted to say, too. I was just I enjoyed this so much more than I expected to. I honestly didn't have high expectations, so that could be part of it. But it was just, I also saw it in the theater as well. So, I mean, I always kind of give things probably a bit of a bumping in like that environment. But I had a really great time. It reminds me of movies I've been talking about that I missed for like years. So I, and I'm again, a big Taylor Sheridan fan. I don't think it's the best that he's put out, but I definitely think it's still strong work. And yeah, I really enjoyed myself. Josh. The only other thing I will mention is just something that I thought about as soon as the movie was over with. And that is if uh, Tyler Perry had hired Medina Sanghorn as his, assassin the movie would have been over in 20 minutes because she was so competent like she was she subdued them a multiple times she was riding horses she climbed that fire tower like if she had been the assassin the movie would have been over because she would have been so good at it that's awesome (laughs) on the other hand once again there's a trade-off here right because you're robbing your villains of their power ultimately by doing this but I will say that I do find it refreshing when characters behave intelligently mm-hmm. in a movie as opposed to, you know, trying. For example, if she had tripped over his stick trying to get away from them, you know, or something like that. It's like typical movie shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Like she is. She is smart. The, the problem is not that she's smart. The problem is that the villains are dumb. <laughs> that was my issue. <laughs> I totally hear you. I do. But at the same time, like Angelina Jolie's character is smart and competent. John Bernthal's character is smart and competent. Like there's a lot of smartly written moments in this. It's just a shame that because the other characters are written, 
so intelligently to navigate through these problems that they're having that it actually ends up hurting the villains in this, which, man, I'm telling you, like, it, it, it all suddenly started clicking for me, Josh, as soon as you started saying that. I, uh, I, I, it didn't occur to me while watching it because I think, like I said, the movie had just done such a good job up until that point of establishing that these guys will stop at nothing. And it made me fearful for all of the other characters outside of Angelina Jolie by that point. And even at a certain point, uh, like Zach said, I was wondering, too, oh, are they going to get her? But the kid's going to get away, you know? So, <sighs> yeah, not his strongest effort, Taylor Sheridan. But I would not go so far as to say that this is bad. And also, too. I will admit, like, am I being probably more generous because of the fact that we didn't get, like, any movies like this over the last year? Yeah, probably a little bit. I do miss this kind of film, and not to mention, these kinds of movies don't really get greenlit that much nowadays anyway, so I feel like we have to celebrate it when we see it happen, and credit to Warner Brothers, they're still greenlighting mid-budget adult dramas. You know, like this, or Motherless Brooklyn even, you know? Yeah, I mean, we didn't like the movie, but... The little things, too. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. That is true. Yeah. Take it where you can get it, right? Exactly. Uh, one other thing I have, just as a final note here, did anyone else start to kind of just freak out a little bit and go, mm, where are you going with this when they got the branding iron out? Oh, yeah. I thought he was going to stick it in her eyeball. I was like, Taylor Sheridan... She's a black character. You're grabbing a branding iron. Like, what are you doing here? Oh, and then, of course, they. Yeah, that, that's what. That's why I was like optics. I'm like, what are you doing? And then, of course, the scene continues, and you know, we see what happens, and you go, oh, okay. But still, I was like, for a split second, I was like, really, really, you're gonna do I that? Mean, I think you had reason to be concerned because I don't think uh, Taylor Sheridan is, um, you know, the most culturally sensitive writer on the planet so right yeah <laughs> i can see where you had some uh, nervousness with that scene totally uh otherwise i don't think i have any other final thoughts uh once again i like i'm a little <sighs> i appreciate that this movie is only 100 minutes long but at the same time if they told me an additional 20 was going to be added so that we could understand a little bit more of what Tyler Perry's stakes in all of this was. And maybe there was some resolution to his character because he gets involved in some way. I don't know. Like, fine. If it would have kept up the same momentum that this movie does, then sure, tack on the extra 15, 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. I would say. But it feels like there's like a huge chunk of this that's missing. Yeah, I would yeah. say that it definitely has like some loose ends that it doesn't tie up. And that was a bit frustrating once the conclusion happened. It's like, wait a minute, aren't there like other characters involved that have, as you said, stakes in this story that we don't see the resolution to? That was a bit frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I really wish the ending had been stretched out more because did anyone get the impression that like Angelina's character was thinking of like adopting Finn's character or is that just me? Because <laughs> that's the I sort of vibe I was getting. Yeah. yeah. And then, then we don't see I, that. It just kind of ends. And I'm like, well, we'll never see that, I yeah. guess. <laughs> it's funny. While you were thinking about that on a character level, I was thinking on a thematic level. I was like, is anyone going to like, <laughs> is anyone going to ever state the theme of this movie? Like in a line of dialogue, like I was waiting for the movie to like kind of state its reason for existing. Like I was like, is there a pro environmental message to this movie? Something? Nope. Just just wanted to do an action thriller, Matt. 
<laughs> that's it. <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No. I, I, I like my meat and potatoes movies, you know, just give me the genre thrills. And I mean, I, it could have definitely had some more deep dives into the character, but for what it was, you know, I, I thought it delivered exactly what it needed to. Yeah, and in that regard, I'm landing at a 6 out of 10 on this movie. Definitely flawed. I can totally see why some other people would lean into the negative territory with it. But for sheer entertainment alone, I had a great time with it. I would I would actually even probably watch it again just as a easy watch, something that you could just turn on and not really think much about it and just kind of enjoy what's happening on screen. So I'm going with that. Josh, what about you? I am also a 6 out of 10, very like mixed but leaning positive with it. I think that the story is the biggest issue that I have, and particularly with the villains, but you know, overall it's entertaining, and I think Angelina Jolie especially does a lot to help with that. So yeah, I agree with your assessment. It's um, what I would call back in the day a TNT movie, you know, that film that's on cable with commercials that's like you're flipping channels when you had cable and it's like, Oh yeah, that, that kind of solidly entertaining movie that I don't have to really watch that intently, but it's overall like solid. Sarah. I'm leaning towards a seven. Nice. Cool. Zach. See, I was leaning towards a seven as well. And I think I would be there if I saw it at home, but I think I had a really good crowd too. And my theaters are definitely getting back to normal. I think I might go an eight. I really, really, really liked it. And I, the experience, I think, gives it that little half-star bump for me. I, I would have loved to have seen this with a theater just for the Singhor yes. uh, spray bottle yeah. moment, honestly. Yeah, cheers, oh. applause. That was that was definitely a great, like, movie theater moment. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't wait until we can all get back to that. <laughs> All right, in terms of awards potential for this movie, I got nothing for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing at all. No. Uh, sorry, Angie. <laughs> and she's teeing up to have a pretty good year, though. Yeah. She is. Yeah, this is her comeback year. Yeah, and great to have her back, too, because, like, watching this movie, I was really reminded just, like, not what a great actress she is but just what a great movie star she is and like to deliver a quality movie star performance is actually more work than you would think it would take and she just does it so effortlessly oh she's so great and i also want to just correct my wording there maybe just a little bit when i say comeback year it's not like she's been gone necessarily these past couple of years and i totally understand that it's just that Maleficent in 2014, right? Before that, two Kung Fu Panda films. Uh, after that, you have By the Sea, which nobody saw. Another Kung Fu Panda film. Maleficent again. Uh, I, I I don't know about you guys, but I didn't see Come Away. Uh, one and only Ivan, she, was another, she did another voice work in that. So really, it's like, other than the Maleficent films, like the last thing that people saw her in, like widely... Might have been the tourist in 2010. Yeah, I would say that or Salt. That was pretty big that same year too. Yeah, but yeah, I I'm excited. And she was featured very prominently in that Eternals trailer, which got me super excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm very confident about her future. Totally. All right. Well, Sarah, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mildred Spheres. Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. Zach Gilbert. You can find me on Twitter at Zach B. Gilbert. 
And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Those Who Wish Me Dead here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. All right, I I guess I'll just say it once. Those who wish me head. (laughs) (laughs) Disappointed no one said that. (laughs) Gotta maintain the integrity of the show, you know? Oh, that was so funny, man. But it's the it's the typo to end all typos. That was yeah, that was classic. That was (laughs) coming up on five minute news. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.